listener, Sade here. This is going to be part one of two of our Scream 2020 review. So this episode will end around the two hour mark and then we will release the second half of the episode tomorrow so you can hear the rest of our thoughts. Uh, heavy, heavy warning, there's lots of spoilers in this episode. We literally are going beat by beat through the plot. So if you haven't seen Scream yet, don't listen to this episode, but come back afterwards if, after you've seen it. And uh, there's lots of cursing in here and a lot of talk of blood and gore. So if the kitties are in the car and you don't want them to hear you, you might want to save this one for your next walk. Okay, bye. And by the way, food was excellent, brother. You're the guy that got caught in that avalanche, right? Yeah, I'm the one. Like black men don't have enough ways to get killed without climbing up some stupid ass mountain in the middle of God's nowhere. Need to leave that to the white folks, brother. Welcome back to Afro Horror, everyone. I know what you're thinking. What is this, a mid-month episode? Well, we couldn't resist talking about, obviously, Scream or Scream 5 or Cream, whatever you want to call it. And I have a really special guest with us today, someone who's been a longtime listener of the podcast and a member of our online community, but he's never actually guested on the podcast. And I'm not quite sure why, but I think everything happens for a reason. It's the perfect moment. Anyway, Cody Landman. Hi, Cody. Hey, Sarday. I've been waiting for this moment. This feels like the showdown between Ghostface and uh, Sydney, having you on the show. It's about time. Oh, yeah. So if you guys didn't know, this is the year of the creator season four, which basically means we want to have uh, horror creators on the show and, and promote their products or their programs or their, or their artwork, whatever it is that the, you guys do. And Cody is not only a huge horror enthusiast and reviewer, but he also is an author of the book called Killer Tricks. Can you tell us a little bit about the book, Cody? Yeah, I'd love to. So... It's about a teenage girl who is a huge horror fan and it takes place on Halloween and there's been word of a killer that's been going around and she wants to go to this party with her friends, but she ends up last minute getting screwed over and stuck babysitting her little brother. Well, she and her little brother end up becoming the next targets of the killer. Nice. And when did you write this book? How long did it take? I actually had like a very small, much smaller version that I had written for my creative writing class in college. And kind of through the years, I've expanded more and more on it. So then I finished the one, first draft of the actual book version. And when I read through it, I'm like, okay, so I'm, uh, I'm looking at, at this as if I'm watching a movie. What would I want more of as a horror fan? So that's kind of how I went back and added more character developments and just kind of decide what I thought other horror readers would want to get from it. I love it. Where can we find the book? It is available to buy physically on Amazon or in ebook form on Amazon because that's where I publish it. I publish through Amazon Publishing. Oh, that's awesome. I, I, and if you guys don't know and you're listening to this, Amazon Publishing is, is what, Cody, like a one-stop shop for people who want to like self-publish their own books, right? Yep. And um, there's no real fee to really publish. Like if we were to send it to a publisher, actual publisher, that'd be quite a bit of money here. You know, you do pretty much everything yourself. Um, 
but any copies are sold, you know, Amazon obviously gets a cut, but then you obviously get a portion too. So do you have the physical copies at your house then? I have a couple. Yes. How did Amazon public come? So I'm fascinated by this. Do they print out the copies and send them to you? Yep. That's so dope. And then for the cover design, did you do that? For the cover design, um, my uh, spouse actually helped me kind of find a place where, you know, you won't get copyright infringement against you. So they have like these sites where it's like you buy, you essentially buy the rights to the cover and then you love can it. use that. I love that. And um, what's next in your book, uh, 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 Creative uh, Journey? Are we having a sequel? Do we have more books down the pipeline? Yep, I am currently in the process of writing another slasher novel, and this one is going to be about a slasher that's stalking a group of females, female friends on spring break. And that one I'm trying to work into getting, like perfectly capturing it. So I, the main girl, I'm trying to ma make her a black female final girl. Uh, Cody, ever thought about getting into the movies and the movie business? I've thought about it because some of the stories I've started with, I started them out at screenplays, but I didn't feel my strength was there to <laughs> write a screenplay. So that's why I decided to eventually just to kind of just turn those into story forms. But if something happens to become a film, I would love it. Well, let's talk offline. You know, that's my day job, right? You know, that's what I do. Hell yeah. Scary movies, maybe even just a short. Just get yeah. started as a short. I love that. Killer Tricks, you guys, is available on Amazon now. Go buy it. Go support horror creators. <laughs> Cody's going to get really mad at me during this episode because <laughs> I have so <laughs> many riffs. I was going to say go support horror creators who actually know what good horror is, unlike to segue. Just kidding. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, but okay. Let's, let's do this really quick. This is a spoiler-filled episode we are going to literally reveal point by point beat by beat what happened in uh scream 2022 um i gave you all the weekend to see it uh so if you haven't seen it this is your chance now to get out um no pun intended uh for horror films get out now because i'm not i'm not, we're not holding back we're gonna uh, repeat everything there are some people like my best friend cody amy who will never watch horror, but they, but they actually like listening to like people talk about what happened in the movie. Cause they're, she's terrified of scary movies. She's awfully terrified of them. So this is a, this is for you guys as well, who were like, I'm not going to see that movie, but I do want to know like point by point what happens through it. Um, <laughs> we are on the moviespoiler.com. Shout out to them. Cody just put me on. Um, because normally I read the Wikipedia plot but they are so sparse with their plots. That it's really awful. But this, this really is a really good um, breakdown of what happened in the movie. It says, the spoiler was submitted by Jeremy. So whoever Jeremy is, thank you for your work. And thank you to the moviespoiler.com for this breakdown. Before we get into the plot, oh, Cody, we've been talking about this film for years, like literally since it was announced. So I want you to go back in your mind to Cody before uh, the movie came out, before you saw it, and bring that person out and tell me what were your expectations for this film? My expectations for this, I fully expected just what they're presenting. Like, I knew that they had planned, wanted the original trio to come back, but they were from the jump, they were severely 
emphasizing that they wanted this to be a new group, similar to how they did with four, but I mean, we'll get into it later, but um, yeah, they definitely wanted to make it another, hopefully another attempt to pass the torch on because when the character descriptions came out, they definitely went all in and making sure that we had this new group started out before they said, hey, guess what? The new trio is returning. So let's, speaking of which, let's touch on a little production history in case anyone's new here. So like Cody said, we had Scream 4 um, and that was in 2011, I want to say, 2011, okay. Um, It didn't do so great box office wise and it really took a slow steam for people to appreciate it more. I happened to love it when I was in theaters. I really enjoyed it. I saw it by myself, which is ironic because I actually saw Scream the first time by myself again. So something about that, that works for me. All right, so we have Wes Craven. He was still alive. He was contracted to work on the fifth and sixth installment of the Scream franchise, um, even though the fourth wasn't uh, what the Weinstein company really thought it was going to be. It was actually um, rhymes with, Marvy <laughs> rhymes with Marvy who was the one pushing like we really need a scream five that's the only good thing he ever did in his life may he rot in hell um as you guys know long story short there's no more Weinstein company uh Dimension Films falls apart and the rights are now being up for air for up grabs there were some rumors that Blumhouse were gonna grab it but it turns out I think those weren't true or they he tried and Jason tried and it didn't work out so it went to the production company what is their name? Spyglass, Spyglass Media Group. Uh, they now own the rights. They partnered with Paramount through the studio to release the film. Um, and then along the way, after all the wine thing happens in 2019, uh, there were reports that with the new production company and the new studio, there was going to be a reboot or a remake or a sequel, something like that but it was unknown if Kevin Williamson would return. And obviously during this time, we also lost Wes. Um, it wasn't confirmed until November 18th, 2020 that Kevin Williamson did post that there will be an official title for the Scream sequel and it'll just be called Scream. Cody, what was your first impression about that name? Cause I will say I didn't like it. I didn't like him. Yeah, I am in the camp that thinks that, you know, when they're, how they're doing, they're giving these, sequels requels whatever you want to call them the same names as the original in some ways i get what they're going for they don't you know they want to reboot it or like in scream's case they want to bring in a new audience and they think that's partially why four didn't do as well as they hope because the new generation probably wouldn't have seen the originals right like kind of so i see what they're getting at but if it's still technically a sequel i would still call it scream five i but again, I know what they're going for. It's just as an outsider standpoint and as a fan of the franchise, if it's still continuing on that storyline, I don't see really the purpose of calling it the same title as the original. And as you guys know, if you're, li- if you're still listening, then you've seen the movie. To Cody's point, it's because of the whole requel theme, which we're going to get into because what the fuck, um, that they made the, the title of this movie. But I wholeheartedly agreed. I knew from the jump, that's a bad idea the generation z or whatever not gen z whether they've seen it or not this franchise has a legacy very similar to nightmare on elm street um uh, halloween it has a legacy and there's nothing wrong with calling it scream five there's nothing wrong with that it actually makes it greater to know that we've been what three decades down the road even more we're gonna be here and we're on our fifth installment the one thing i 
it's a curse. And it's also my favorite part of Scream is that this, the sequels have so much gaps in between them that it does feel like, oh my gosh, we're not oversaturated. It feels new and fresh. Like, thank God we're, we get another Scream every 10 years. But I also hate that as well. Cause I'm like, we're only on Scream 5. And in the Stab universe, we're on Scream 8. And we've been deprived right. of that, you know? A lot of that has to do with the Weinsteins and thank God they're gone. Um, but I agree with you, Cody. This is Scream 5 to me. So you, when I talk about it, I'm going to call it Scream 5 because calling it Scream is also, to me, it's, it's a, it, to me, it's like spitting in the face of the original Scream. Like, forget that Scream. This is a new Scream. No, I like Scream 1996 is the reason why I got into horror movies. So I respectfully decline calling this movie anything else but Scream 5. Yeah, I, I get that. In my head canon, I do call it Scream 5, but sometimes I don't, like, I, I will drop Scream 5 from time to time, but out of respect for the creators too, I will call it Scream as what they wanted it call, to be called. But yeah, head canon, Scream 5. You are better than me because I have no respect for this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I'm kidding you guys. And look, I'm going to say this right now because I know people are listening to this podcast. The studio sent me a wonderful gift box. I got the Ghostface mask. I got the um, Steel DVD. Thank you, Cody. I didn't know it was that important. I got the Steel oh. copy. He was like, girl, that is the Steel copy. What are you talking about? I was like, I thought it was just a Blu-ray. <laughs> um, I got 4K that. Steel book. Yes, the Steel. I didn't know, but I, you know, kudos. Um, we did end up giving that to a Afro horror listener, which I think is better served because I don't have a Blu-ray player, but doesn't mean I'm not grateful. So any studio listening to this doesn't mean I'm not grateful, but I wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't be Afro horror if I wasn't honest. And anyone is anyone who's listened to the show knows that the first thing we are is honest. So, um, I'm going to call it scream five <laughs> because it's easier. And, and I know it'll get harder as you listen to go scream, scream five. I think so calling it scream five for this episode will make it easier for our listeners. Cause there are so many callbacks to scream that we need to differentiate, uh, blah, 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 whatever. I have respect for the filmmakers, obviously, cause I am a filmmaker. I also have a lot of grievances with this. Number one, Cody, and I know it's not a big deal, but let's just talk about, there have been no women above the line behind the scenes on these screen projects. And that always bothers me. Not, not even the writers have ever been a woman. Like, yeah. and the yeah, I think the only real, the only real powerhouse woman we've had was Marianne Madalena. She was the executive producer and Wes Craven's longtime partner in crime. And you know, if you read the book, it all began with the scream. You really get more of how much she was involved with each of these films and saw and revealed all of the inside scoops. Like, either way, I do recommend that book to anyone who wants yeah. more of the turmoil all of these films went through. And, you know, it, a lot of it is because, you know, not so much of because of Harvey, but it is because of Bob, too. But yeah, yeah, Bob, too. He always gets yeah. escaped, but he was yeah, very much I, in it. Yeah. So I do highly recommend that book. It's, fantastic if you're a screen fan and want to know more that you probably didn't know as well and there's an episode of horror queers our friends at horror queers they did a screen four episode that talks about how she got outsid on screen four basically nudged out and i think that's severely disappointing um, yeah. and there's nothing that anyone could do about it but new but with this new reimagining i was i'm just like I hope we get a scream six and seven and eight and nine, 10. I hope it continues. I hope we do start adding more women to the conversation because to me, this story has also has always been about 
Sydney and her strength and the strength of women. And I, this, the ending of this movie, just to jump real quick, Cody, it's all women except for Jake or Jack, mm-hmm. Jack Quaid. It, he's literally standing in a sea of women. Like, yep. So I just really want, I, I really want a female voice in the story and, and maybe even in directing that we can actually see. Cause I do feel like the, the, my, the weakest part of the series sometimes is the women and how they're captured. No offense to anyone. I we'll get into it. Um, okay. So that's the, that's the lead up. Now let's get into the story. But first of all, I want to say, did you like the score? I did like if I didn't know going in that it wasn't Marco Beltrami. Yeah, I still would have thought it was him. I guess I need to listen to the score in general. I, I, you know, we all know Dewey's like Dewey's special song, but I, uh, I haven't really listened to the score outside of the movie yet. And I see it here's twenty four songs on the soundtrack or in the score. Didn't know that. It really, I guess, when you're paying attention to the film, you, re- I'm not really listening to the music, but. Um, I want to go through it and listen to it and make a decision there because I, I think I missed, I think I missed everything, but we shall see. All right. One thing I do want to mention before we go into yes. it is they released the print, pretty much projections of the box office right now for screen. Yes. Give us numbers, please. Where are we at? So well, for- hold on really quick, Cody, the budget, the budget was 24 million. Okay. And for the three-day weekend, it's an estimated 30.5. That's and great. Over, over the four-day Martin Luther King Day weekend, it is looking to make, let's see here. Oh, no, the 35 million is over the four-day, but they're looking at a worldwide estimate of 53 million. And for a horror film, that's freaking ridiculous. That is awesome. Yeah. Especially I, during I, a I, pandemic in the January? Holy crap. Yeah, and I looking at those numbers i think it could at at the very least make as much as scream 3 did domestically which was like 80 something million i would love it if it made like in the hundreds like the first two did but you know what you already know this is gonna make more than scream 4 did yeah i mean i it's january release which is usually the slowest month in in, uh for consumers period because people have just come off of christmas so they don't want to buy anything um and it's severely a omicron surge like everywhere in this at least in america we're talking in america lenses i know canada didn't even have theaters open like period so so that those are tough mountains to climb i think that's a number to still be proud of even without comparing it to everything else that's still a number to be proud of i still also i've mentioned this to you cody and clubhouse this should have been also streamed on paramount plus in my opinion especially because that platform needs the subscribers no shade but you do um and uh for markets like la where i am i, I was so nervous going to see this movie and i i saw it twice and every time I picked a seat near the front and I, I paid for the seat next to me. So no one would sit next to me, but for some reason, someone sat next to me in the first screening. And I, I wanted to say something, but that's not the place where you make waves. <laughs> like, yeah, no. I'm not getting like, people freak out over the smallest things in theaters. Like it's like, yeah. okay, like seat mixed up. You get, if someone gets seats mixed up, they'll yell at the person who's like sitting in the seat. And it's like, yo, it's not my fault. I have a proof right here. I'm supposed to be sitting here. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't want to get into it. I was just like, ah, and then, but the woman next to me, she, she, she didn't have any concessions, but she was, her mask was off the whole time. And I was like, girl, please, 
please i'm already stressed just put it on like i have two masks i'm I'm stressed enough um but uh with that said i really do think they should have streamed this at the same time for for people especially the canadian fans i feel so bad for them they have no idea yeah i know paramount's game is they're gonna do it 45 days after whereas like peacock where it's same day thing peacock even hbo max last year when they did the we're in theaters but we're also you know, and they they kept Malignant only on the app for like two weeks and then it disappeared. So I really thought that formula worked great. Like, give it to the people the day of. It doesn't stay up there long, but get the subscribers, get because you have to subscribe to these things, get your numbers, whatever. So they did what they had to do, though. They, they got the, you know, they made their budget back. Plus yeah. some. They made double their budget. So in a, in a business aspect, that's great but like cody said compared to some other sequels it's not really anyway please green light scream um six and seven now i want it to happen speaking of which let's get to the movie shall we cody now wait (laughs) everyone when i got out of this movie the first person i dm'd on instagram was cody <laughs> she did. She did. <laughs> and uh I was upset. I was really mad. I'm not gonna lie. Okay, I saw it twice. You guys I saw it on Friday, uh Thursday for the the evening show, seven o'clock, AMC uh six in Burbank. And then I saw it again yesterday. We're recording this on Sunday, so yesterday was Saturday. Um, I was saw it again in Santa Monica with a friend this time, uh, my friend Adrian, uh, who Actually seeing it with my friend Adrian made me actually love it more. She she she's not really into scary movies, but it made her jump and and I I really appreciated that. I think because I've okay. seen so many scary movies and I'm not that kind of jumpy girl that maybe that's where some of my opinions have come from. Yeah. The second viewing when I went to go see the second time, a woman brought her little girl with because school had gotten canceled that day because of Blizzard we were supposed to get. Oh yeah. It didn't happen. So that was an early, too early call. But anyway, I totally heard when jumping ahead a little bit when dewey's killed she's like no not dewey i'm like oh that was so cute yeah adrian during that scene i just looked over she's like oh my god oh my god <laughs> that was like, you forget also the thing about theaters is you really have to be in a good theater too and when i saw the people i went with on thursday as in i didn't go with anyone but the people who were in the theater the crowd was kind of dry <laughs> I don't know. First night, the audience was great. Second one, it was a s- smaller group. So, yeah. You know, I heard a couple laughs and, like, oh my gosh, but, you know, what can you do? What can you do? But I, I'm not going to lie. I was sitting through the first viewing because I, I went in completely blind. I, I wouldn't read reviews. I actually blocked, I muted all the words on Twitter. I was that serious because I was like, I don't want to see reviews, even positive reviews. I don't want to be, you know, conditioned. I don't want anything. So I went in completely blind um, and I came out and I think Cody and I talked about this. He had to calm me down in the DMs. I sat in my car at the In-N-Out post-movie just thinking about it because I was really mad when I left the theater because, and I realized what it was. It wasn't because it was a bad movie. It was because I had high expectations as a fan, a super fan, and as a filmmaker that weren't met and that does not make a bad movie. That just, you know, no one's going to ever get what they want right. in a movie. So talking to Cody in the DMs, I was like, let me go see it again. I will say I had a much more favorable, favorable 
um, time watching it the second time now knowing what I was going to go in and see, right. Cause I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. So the second time I went in, it was more like catching small little details and, um, uh, you know, subplots and things like that. Um, but there's still a few points that we'll talk about that I still feel right about. Okay. I think you, I think you know what those are, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the, okay. The viewers. Are, okay. So here we go. The film opens in Woodsboro. Tara Carpenter, can we step there? <laughs> this is one of those things. Carpenter, Cody, by the way, happy belated birthday to John. I think his birthday is today as we're taping, or it was yesterday, it was yesterday. Happy belated birthday, John. Um, it's just too on the nose. It's too much for me, Cody Carpenter. I can understand that. It didn't bother me personally, because I'm like, it's Scream. They're going to scream however they can. I mean, they throw an Elm Street in there. Yeah. It's, it's. To live on Elm. Yeah. I, yeah, I, like I said, I get it. But, you know, I was like, you know, it is on the nose, but it's Scream. It's Scream. And I think that's going to be, um, that's where I find grace in, in a lot of the stuff that happens here. I just, it's Scream. <laughs> like, it's fine. <laughs> so anyway, Tara. As home alone when her phone rings with a voice, Roger L. Jackson. Oh, and let's go back. Sorry, Ginny Ortega plays Tara. Uh, yes. Are you not in love with her as much as I am? She is amazing. Yeah, I definitely, I'm sure everyone fell in love with her on you. Yeah. And then her career just progressed. You know, she was a badass in The Babysitter. And then, uh, The Babysitter too, I should say. Yeah. And then this, I feel like she did something else prior to that. But now she's going to be in... The upcoming A24 looks like a slasher X. That yep. looks amazing. And then I know she's going to be in that Foo Fighters horror movie. Yeah, Studio yeah. 66. I saw that trailer. That's awesome. I love, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, <laughs> she, so she's going to take the world by storm as far as horror. And then I'm hearing nothing but rave reviews for her in the uh, movie The Fallout, which is going to hit HBO Max later this month, I think. Awesome. Or next, either this month or next month, but yeah. Guys, let me, let me, um, break this down for you if you're if you've seen the movie then you know what i'm talking about there's something to be said about a certain actor that graces your screen and you're just you just know from the second they open their mouths this is going to be something to watch this is a person that i'm going to want to follow for the rest of their career that's jenny ortega and she's giving me the same feeling i feel felt when I saw Scream for the first time as a young kid and I saw Nev Campbell, you know, like she, she gives me that sort of sense. You're like, Ooh, she gonna be something. Or the first time I saw Jennifer Lawrence. Um, and I was like, damn, she gonna be something like she is going to be a force. I love this woman. She's a young woman. I think she is sensational. I, do you think Cody, this could be our, our first, not first, but our definitely the most recent Scream queen. We haven't had a really screen queen in a while like that's not one of the old g's i think it's yeah right. i i would agree with that like and it's even more special that she's a person of color too yeah oh yeah let I me mean, let's talk about that it it's uh it's crazy to think that these are two latina leads in the scream series because it's like we never had it before so now that we have it it's almost like too good to be true <laughs> like that it's happening right. And um, just looking at like, you know, their Latina-ness is obviously, it's not very spoken much about at all in, in this 
show their last name's Carpenter, Tara and Sam, you know, but we know they're Latina and they do such an amazing job. And there's really, there's really no words to say before, like Encanto, In the Heights, um, West Side Story, it's been such a good year. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. we've done well, Um, but in horror, especially, I know all my, uh, my girlfriends out there and, and Latina um, artists are just beaming over the moon and they deserve it. This is about time. We're very, very excited that this is happening. Um, And I hope it continues. I I will say, can't wait to see if we ever get to see Tara and Sam's mom and what Latina actress they'd cast for that because she was absent. Right. (laughs) She was gone. (laughs) She was all all up in London. She's in London. But uh, we'll get to this later when we get to the twins. But there's something to be said of this is why I wish we had creators that are also people of color behind the scenes. Like it is a color palette on the screen. Behind the scenes, not so much, because I really do want to know the dynamics of being a person of color in Woodsboro. (laughs) Like it can't be great, right? Like very white town and there's a lot of killers and, and uh like what is it to be black and latino in, in woodsboro <laughs> um the only note i'll say that too is like representation is great and i'm really happy for everyone i also want to see more asians in horror period that's not just like foreign horror that's not rooted in korea or japan i do want to see our asian community represented in american horror i don't feel like we have that just yet yeah, closest we've gotten, I feel at this point is mostly like TV series. Yeah. Like, even though she was short lived, you know, we had, um, we had someone on the screen TV series, which yeah. we won't go there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the show Light as a Feather on Hulu. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, also, you know, we had a pretty big Asian lead in the, I know we did last summer TV series, which is canceled. Rest in peace. Obviously yeah. <laughs> that was mixed thoughts on that, but you know, a podcast but yeah, that. getting on the big screen is a big thing too. Not just relegating to TV. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then just for horror features in general, I'm just like, we're getting better. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say it's not getting better. Um, I loved what Scream 5 has done on screen. That behind the screen, the behind the scenes thing, though, the below the line people, the costume designers, the makeup artists, directors and writers, that really gets to me as well, because if you the people who are making the art and controlling the decisions, because actors get scripts, they sometimes they don't have a lot. Of, most of the times they don't have a lot of say they give what they got. But especially when we get to the twins, I, well, I mentioned it now, it's never brought up that they're black. And it just feels like if someone was black behind the scenes, it doesn't have to be a big thing, right? It doesn't have to be their whole identity. I do want to know what it's like to be black in Woodsboro, though. Like, please let me know. <laughs> like, and you're in a horror movie and you're black. Like, that's got to be scary for you. Like, the one thing I will say to Scream 3, Cody, remember that scene where the black actor is, like, talking about being black in the horror, uh, like, yeah, community? Tyson. Yeah, Tyson. I loved it. It was only like 10 or 15 seconds, but it really was like an insight to his mind of like, there's no roles for black actors because they're giving it to all the rappers anyway. So like, I'm not going to pass up this job, even though everyone's dying around me. <laughs> yep. And the same thing with Scream 2. They literally had a whole scene dedicated to. So I just, I don't know. I, I, I want us to uh, understand more about what's going, <laughs> what else is going on in Woodsboro for other people. That's the one complaint I have about this film. And I think Cody, you may have a different opinion. I don't feel like we got to know any of the characters outside of Sam. 
like in this universe. Like we didn't get to follow them outside of their lives, except for Wes, maybe. Like we got to see him make some dinner with his mom, but that's yeah. about it. Yeah, and I would agree first, with that. <clears throat> someone calls Tara's phone. Uh, someone named Charlie is calling for Tara's mother, who we've established is in London on a conference. He keeps her on the line for a moment while she's texting her friend Amber Freeman, played by Mickey Madison. Have you ever um, seen Mickey Madison in anything before, Cody? I haven't. Um, she just she looks very familiar, though. But looking at IMDb, I haven't really seen her. And, and well, actually, I take that back. When I saw who she played in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I'm like, oh, her, yes. Wait, which one did she play? Okay, I've definitely seen her face before. Who did she play? If, in I, remember, if I remember correctly, she's the one that Leonardo DiCaprio sets on fire. Oh, damn. Oh, okay. She's used to playing kooky, crazy roles. Um, she's, she she's gets set on fire a lot. See the theme with yeah. her. <laughs> one thing I do want to say about this is that I love the way that they start out Ghostface. Like, we, this is a version of his voice we've never seen but heard before. Like, yeah. right from the jump and scream, you, it does kind of sound very villainy, but here it sounds very casual. Like, you're hearing him kind of, like, stumble on his words a bit, like a real person, before yeah. he gets into the ghost face we all know and love. So I like that this was a kind of a different version of it that we got. It's actually not even the voice, the physicality, too. There are moments through this during the kill scenes where I'm like, you're you're kind of sloppy, ghost face. <laughs> Like, you're like that's tripping why we, that's why we love him though we love that he's a human yes exactly like we love that whoever's behind that mask is actually like a human who's gonna trip and fall and like when we get to the third act when they both go over that um the balcony you're like it's gonna take yeah. you a minute to get up right <laughs> but when you do get up you're gonna fuck some shit up and we like that <laughs> which we're gonna get into the the killers we'll get there um, so the voice starts asking Tara horror movie questions, and she says she prefers newer elevated horror films like The Babadook. There was some discords online that that's not how you pronounce The Babadook, and someone was upset that no one corrected her on this. Oh. Am I missing? I know there's different ways of saying it. Like, I call it The Babadook, but I have heard people say Babadook. So. Same. I always called it The Babadook. Um, so we need a clarification. And I'm like, if you're, if Tara has been stabbed nine times, I don't think you're going to, need to correct her on her pronunciation. Yeah. <laughs> Let the girl have it. Um, did you like this elevated horror conversation? I did. It's throwing in a new, it's, th it's throwing in like the meta stuff, you know, cause you know, quote unquote elevated horror is pretty much on the rise. If it's just not Blumhouse, it's a 24 elevated horror. Yeah. So, I, and it I causes also, such a discord between horror communities. Like people are like, oh, that's so boring. Exactly what they were conversing about. Like ghosts were saying, oh, that sounds boring. And that sounds boring. Like, yeah. But I'm, I, I, you know, I think we're both millennials. We're both in the generation of like, I don't, I always felt like horror is elevated. I, I just feel like mainstream audiences were slow to catch up to it. But when you look at um, even horror from the eighties, uh, what's the one where the society people were like eating poor people. We talked about it in the I club. I think that's called society. Society, duh. <laughs> I think. We, we talked about it in the, the clubhouse, but even the movie like Society, it, it it's always, horror's always touched on like 
themes. And yes, it just takes a different approach to them. Um, I think, again, probably what people are talking about is like you said, the A24 hereditary style where it's just like, like the mega slow burn stuff with this more yeah. cerebral. Yeah, more cere- cer- cerebral and then visually just more like uh, appeasing the audiences, um, appealing the audiences, I mean, in the sense of it's not too blood and gory. It's, it's more about psychological, mental state, things like that. Yeah. But I have always felt that horror has done all of those things. Um, so the elevated horror conversation to me, I'm always like, the horror is elevated or not, it's still horror, it's fine. Um, it's fine to just call it horror. It's just, you know, whatever. But I love this conversation because it feels very Gen Z. It feels very much like this is, these are the movies that would get someone in her, her age bracket into horror. Hereditary, right. The Witch, The Babadook. Great choices, by the way. She's got good taste. Um, we like it. So when the voice starts asking her about stab movies, I laughed because I was trying to answer them in my head too. And I was like, wait a second. Mm, I don't know this. <laughs> there is a goof though. There is a goof because- Oh, what's the goof? Because he asked, he, when the first question we asked who the main character is in the stab movies, and it's obviously Sidney Prescott. And then um, I think it's like, I don't know if it's this question or later on, but Ghostface says that um, Sydney wasn't all of them, but the last one, which is not true. She was only in the first three because that was the point where she's like, if they use her story anymore, they were, she was in the suit. When, when did we find that piece out? In uh, Scream 4 in the opening when Marnie and Jenny are talking because they were talking about all the sequels and all that. She's like, first three, the original trilogy are based on the life of Sydney Prescott. That's but then right. she threatened to sue if they kept on using her story. So that's when they got all the crappy ones, like time travel and all that. Ah, well, look at that. You know, I always say the fans know better than, than anyone else on the show. Because there are, are a couple other plot holy spoofs throughout the movie that we'll talk about. Um, that That's why I think I left the theater angry. Because I was like, if you know the fans of this franchise, you have to know this franchise inside and out. It has to be in your DNA because we will call bullshit when it doesn't add up i didn't catch that but um so ghostface is full of shit <laughs> she should have survived <laughs> my girl she did um so the voice becomes threatening and reveals that they cloned amber's phone and are sitting outside her bedroom right now and they send her a video okay and i want to talk about this theory real quick because do we think well we know it's amber who attacks tara right because technically uh richie is in modesto yeah that's what i would think too because that would involve pulling a lot of ass back and forth exactly which we 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 when we get we'll get there when they get to to um woodsboro it does feel like it's drivable right it doesn't feel like it's a long drive like they're in the car maybe for a couple hours and they're in woodsboro it's not that that's why i got the two a couple hours at least a couple hours at least but still like i don't i think it'd be a waste of Richie's gas mileage if he drove the car there to kill someone and then came back. So we can all assume that this is Amber. So does it make sense, my theory, that the video that Ghostface sends from Amber's phone is Amber from her phone, but also it's just a video she had Richie take of her and it's not live. Does that make sense? Yeah, because like even, I think even like, if I, when I saw it, I tried to pay attention the second time I saw it to make sure it wasn't just a live. Like the, she sent, it looked like a clip. She sent a so clip, like, right, exactly. So I'm like, 
I don't know. I guess Tara, you're scared, so I, I'm not gonna blame you for this. But I do feel like that's a small plot hole where I'm like, um, don't send me a a, a clip that was taken three days ago or a week ago. Like, show me my girl is really in danger. Like right now. Like Facetime her. Facetime her, and I need to know yeah. like if it's true. Um, that's what I wish they would have done. I wish it would have been more like a a live, a live like a private link somewhere where it's like, oh, this is happening now. But then that would mean Richie would have to be in town and that brings up questions. And things right. Like, you know. Anyway, just small things, just small, two scary movie Scream fans who are just trying to break this shit down for you guys. Um, so they tell Tara that they'll kill Amber if she doesn't answer the questions uh, correctly. Tara's such a good friend because I would have been like, rest in peace, girl. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about it. I'm not, I'm not good under pressure. Tara gets the last question wrong on, on a technicality because he does say killer. He doesn't say killers. <laughs> I think that's yep. a trap. That's kind of shitty. Um, can we talk about this for a second? The disrespect this movie has for Stu pisses me off. Yeah, I think that's one thing. People do typically forget about Stu, I would think. I, I don't know. Okay, yes. In, in, the, in their stab world, yes. But um, there's there's times where he's referred to, there was another killer or there's just Sky. And and we just like totally write off Stu. And I'm like, but I don't feel personally, Billy could have pulled this off without Stu. He couldn't. Right. Like Stu's very vital to Scream to me. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't like the idea that he doesn't get enough credit in this movie as he should. I don't know small things small potatoes um okay so tara gets the last question wrong which is the stew question uh ghost face begins to try to break in their house she opens the door and he slashes her stomach tara tries calling the police while ghost face keeps trying to get in and taunt her over the phone the killer makes his way inside stabs tara through the hand twice in the side and then also breaking her foot just which just seems like overkill <laughs> like come on you have a knife don't you bring your ankle Seems a bit rough. And then the police didn't arrive. Ghostface flees and Tara is alive but seriously injured. I want to know, like, obviously their their whole mission right at the beginning, Cody, was like, we can't kill her because we got to actually get Sam to come to town. Yeah, and yeah. we need to keep her alive because we're going to blame it all on her. But, like, how do you know how many stabs is too many stabs? Exactly. Like, just pull it back a bit. Yeah. Like, he, they, they got her stomach. They, he got her in the back many times right uh, he could have easily have nicked like i mean she still would have survived if he got like her spinal cord and paralyzed her but you know you never exactly. know what you're, you never know what vital organ you're gonna hit unless you're like that you're unless you're that much of a pro and you're gonna like just full on just stab something and know you're not gonna hit it right and we have to remember it's amber who's ghost face so she's freaking crazy so i really don't think she's like okay left artery oh right uh stern okay just miss don't miss that. i don't think she did her doctor research to realize like which places to stab to not kill Tara. Right. Um, to quote the killer in Urban Legend, I was always such a dope in anatomy. First organized, exactly. I'm just gonna grab it. I'm just gonna grab it. Uh, so I don't I don't know. I feel like I feel like that's also something where I'm just like clearly the motive was to keep her alive, but I don't buy that this girl, Amber, I don't buy Amber's ghost face, period, in this film, but I don't buy that uh they accidentally they purposely kept Tara alive. I'm like, this must be by accident because there's no way you stab her that many times and, and are like, oh, she's going to survive. <laughs> it's good. Right. Just plan, 
plans working. <laughs> and also Woodsboro Hospital is the worst hospital in the country. So she should have had a Tara was on point when she says, can we go to a different hospital? So is there a different hospital? I mean, that's the other thing about the movie I don't get. Is Woodsboro big or small? How many hospitals are in, in this town? Because I'm from Lansing, Michigan. One hospital in Lansing. So I think there's two, but it's a more of a medical center that no one really, yeah. not really a thing. So I'm like, how small is Woodsboro, you guys? You keep telling me it's a small town. It's a small town. Everyone knows your mom's this, that. Don't feel like that small. Especially right. when we talk about the geography of like Sam leaving um, the twins' house to get to the hospital and how long that took or, or Deputy Judy trying to get back to Wes. And I'm like, how right. big she is like town? just left. You just left. You're only blocks away. Like how long are these streets? So I don't know. Anyway, so, okay, we're in Modesto. Tara's older sister, Sam, Melissa Barrera, 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 Barrera. is working with her boyfriend, Richie Kirsch, Jack Quaid. Um, when she receives a phone call that, from Tara's friend, Wes Hicks, that uh, Tara's been attacked. All right, let's just get this messiness out of the way. Um, Sam, how do I say this without sounding so cruel and mean? I think Melissa is a very talented actress. I loved In the Heights. At first, I didn't recognize her, but I knew I've seen her face before. I loved In the Heights. I think she did a wonderful job. I say this with as much love and admiration as I possibly can. I think she was miscast. I think she was miscast. I don't know if it was a situation where she actually got auditioned for this role or it was just offered it after of the success of I'm going to be in, in the Heights and I'm going to be, you know, the, the projection or the trajectory is there. I, I personally feel, and I've told you this, Cody, that she couldn't emotionally get where she needed to be for this character and that everyone around her was acting circles around her, particularly Jenna Ortega. But how do, I know you feel differently. I know you do. Yeah, I, um, I definitely feel like Jenna was the MVP of this movie, hands down, wouldn't argue against it in any way. But I did like Melissa in this. I get what you mean, but I do look at her character as so she's not letting her vulnerabilities show as much as Sydney is. She's trying to be hardened, and but it's like she, she said, the emotions want to come out, but she's trying to repress them at the same time. That's just kind of where I saw her performance. I can respect that. It's 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 more so the monologue uh, revealing to her sister that her dad is Billy Loomis that she loses me. Cause I'm like, this is a, this is the big moment, right? Like this is a secret you've held from your sister for years. And it's the reason why she's being attacked now. And I, I watched it, I went to see it again, right? Yesterday on Saturday, not that crying or tears indicates acting ability. It doesn't, but the way Tara looks when she's just looking at her and she has no lines and her eyes are just filled with like, so, so much emotion. Then I looked at Melissa, Sam, and she like squeezes one tiny teardrop. <laughs> she like manages to get it out at the end. I, again, I'm not saying the tears indicate, I just felt like that monologue, that moment was an actor's dream, first of all, which is this huge monologue that, you know, it's gonna be on your reel and it's gonna be what people remember you for. And I just personally feel like she didn't hit it. She didn't hit it. I felt like she was 90% there, but it didn't, it didn't happen. Yeah, no, I can totally respect that viewpoint. You know, it, it it's gonna, I've heard several different things. Like people are totally with Melissa's performance. Some people are not. Yeah. You know, it's a matter of viewpoints, how you see things and what you were expecting. 
Exactly. But what I will say is I firmly disagree with anyone attacking Melissa, saying that she is a bad actress and that she doesn't deserve to be in this franchise. Because clearly the directors saw something in her. Maybe it didn't translate to screen. Maybe there were better takes. We don't know. Maybe it's an editing thing. Maybe it's a director thing. Maybe it has nothing to do with her at all. Right. Because when In the Heist came out, she was the highest praised actor in that film. Exactly. So we, this may not be, and that happens all the time. Zendaya, when she won her Emmy for Euphoria, said that she hates that scene that they show where she's like at um, Bezco's door yelling because she's like, that's not the best take. I know there's a better take. That happens all the time. So all of this that I'm saying about Sam and Melissa, I could... I could technically blame the directors for it, (laughs) but no one's going to, right? They're always going to blame the actor. So if you're sending hate to Melissa and saying she doesn't belong, I think that is, that's a shitty thing to do. I think you're a terrible person. I think you could not like someone's performance and still understand that this, having a role like this is a big deal for an actor, also for Latinas. And um, she deserves to be there. Like, Who's saying, like, who, who are you to say she doesn't deserve to be there? Um, I hope she finds her footing in this franchise. If she's going to stick around, I hope she, they find something better to do with her because uh, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We're almost there. So I'm just going to say that for now. Put a pin in that. Um, but she, okay, so Tara's uh, friend Wes calls her former, that Tara, I mean, yeah, that Sam, that Tara's been attacked. Sam and Richie drive back to Woodsboro while discussing the stab movies and what connection they have to the attack. Like, I couldn't believe that Richie had never seen a stab movie, but you said you overheard someone say that they've never seen Scream. Yep, when I had seen, when I gone to see Halloween Kills, this guy and his girlfriend, a couple of seats away from me, like, after the Scream the screen 5 trailer ended, the girlfriend said, I've never seen any of the Scream movies. Okay, so how young was she? <laughs> Sorry. She looked at least to be... In her 20s. Okay. You know, that's fair, actually, because Adrian, when we went to see Scream 5 yesterday, she told me she'd never seen Scream 4, and I almost pe- pissed my pants. I was like, what? What do you mean? So she went home right after that and watched Scream 4 and was texting me. I was like, yeah, it's good. <laughs> I didn't watch it before. I love this movie. So I guess it's believable um, that people have not seen the franchise and they, they would have to catch up. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to harp on that one too much. No. Um, but I do want to know after six months of dating someone and then you tell them you're from Woodsboro, has it never come up that you've never seen the stab movies in six months? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, even, I guess the same thing with Tara. She said she'd only seen the first stab when she was 12 and she lives in Woodsboro, which I guess maybe makes a little more sense. She probably wouldn't want to associate with that, but who knows? Could we just assume that um, the stabathons just got canceled after? <laughs> I mean, it would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's why she missed the window. For yeah. <laughs> they probably said, you know what? We probably shouldn't do this anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. this is a bad idea. Um, okay, so at, that one? <laughs> yeah, we're going to just nix that one. That's a bad idea. Um, so at Woodsboro High, Tara's friends, Amber, Wes, Liv, played by Sonia Amar, and siblings Chad, played by Mason Gooding, and Mindy Meeks Martin, plays by Jasmine Savoy Brown, are gathered to talk about Tara's attack and Sam returning home. Let's talk about these characters, Cody. Who's a standout for you? Who who who's not doing it for you? The one that wasn't doing it for me. Well, who's who who's your standout out of this group? And then who's the one you're like, eh. Standout. I feel 
like I'm kind of tied between Wes and Mindy. I feel like they're the ones who are mostly bringing it. For the sure. Ones, like, are we talking about the whole movie in general or just this general scene? Oh, uh, no, the whole movie in general. Just a side character. The whole movie. I'm sorry. I was not feeling really anything from Mikey. Mikey is which one? See, I can't Amber. even remember. Amber. 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 Okay. Mikey, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Because for a while, it is um, Sonia, who plays Liv, that wasn't really giving it. But yeah. when we get to her scene towards the end with Mindy, she nails it there. Like, in her, final mo- in her final moments, she really brings it. That's, I think, okay, so for my, my list is a uh, standout for me it is Wes, Dylan. Um, I think he does a good job of what he's supposed to do. Um, and, but actually, the second standout to me is Liv. Uh, this Sonia girl, because I do feel like she was robbed. <laughs> like, oh, totally. I feel like she is she the most robbed. underdeveloped character out of these new people. And but she also feels like one of the strongest actors out of the group. I think she actually is out of the side group. I think she is the strongest one. Like you said, when she has that end moment with Mindy, I'm like, oh, there's something there. Mm-hmm. Why didn't we make her more of a red herring than she was? Because she's good. She should. Yep. And in that scene, you can tell that Mindy suspects her, or no, no, it was Mindy or. No, Wes. Wes looks at her funny when she's yeah. like, you guys go ahead. Yeah, I can't come. Wes looks at yeah. her like, hmm. like, what do you mean you can't come? What are you doing? And we never got, we never knew what she would, no one brought it up ever again after that. And I think that's, yeah. that must and be the thing they should have emphasized too was that her last name is Mackenzie because, you know, drive down to the Mackenzie's. At least give her some kind of connection to Woodsboro in that sense. Something. Yeah. We needed her some way involved because then it, she felt very, like everyone had a connection, like you said. Like we understood Wes, right? We understood the, the twins. Amber and Liv are the only the outsiders. We were like, well, clearly you have no ties to this. Yeah. And, then Vince, and then Vince, obviously, they reveal later, but he was almost, he felt like a last minute write-in. Yeah, yeah. That was really weird because we love Kyle um Gallner. Gallner He's yeah. great. Um, and he was he he should have. I'm justice for Kyle. He is so talented. Sure. He's a screen king in his own right. Um, just in the history of his filmography, such a waste, waste of talent, mm-hmm. waste of a character, a waste of talent. Cause like who is buying the creepy guy visiting the, we're not commenting on women's looks, but visiting the young girl at high school is what I mean. Like yeah. who's buying this? Who, 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 who is this for? So I don't, I don't know. That was very weird. Um, these, okay. These side characters as a whole I'm not convinced they're really friends. I'm really not. There's something special about the original 1996 Scream. Like, even though everyone was like Tatum's super popular and, and whatever, um, I still believe that these people are friends. And I still believe that they hang out with each other, no matter how different their like spears were. Uh, I'm not buying, <laughs> I'm not buying Wes is hanging out with any of these people, except for maybe Mindy. Like, yeah. I can see Wes and Mindy hanging out. They seem to have the same kind of plane when it comes to like scary movies and things like that wish we had more Mindy West scenes. Um, Chad feels like a tag along, like this is my twin. He has to come with me, but he's also a super jock. So I'm like, where are your friends? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, are yeah, you they definitely, I feel like they definitely need to give him a little bit more too. Like I, I know the Gooding bloodline is kind of questionable for some. Oh, that's right. He is a Gooding. I totally yeah. forgot about that. But I liked him in this. That's why I wanted more of him. He seemed like, he didn't seem like a douchey jock. He just seemed like a fun-loving jock. Like, I just wish we would have gotten a little more of. But can we get over the Letterman jacket thing? 
Right. Is that and, like why? Is that even a thing anymore? Is that even a thing anymore? That's what I mean about this movie. Sometimes I'm like the choices. I'm like, my brothers play football and they played football since they were eight years old. They also play basketball. I'm not once have they ordered a Letterman jacket or worn one. <laughs> like they're in high school, by the way. I will say they're 17. Um, I've never seen them wear a Letterman's jacket at all. I ever want to. It's not yeah, cool. like nowadays it's just wearing their jerseys. And like if it's like in my town, if it's like a Friday night game, they'll ask like exactly. a girl to wear their jerseys. Exactly. They, yeah. That's exactly it. It's all about wearing your jerseys or having a girl do it. Um, because it's just not cool. My brothers are Gen Z and they tell me all the time, like, Letterman jackets aren't cool. They're not, they're so 80s. So I don't understand that decision that is being made that Chad has to be this jock and he has to play football, but we would never know if he plays football unless he's wearing this Letterman's jacket. That And he wears them all the time. And name the muscles Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. That was a good one. He's very charming. I will say this actor. He's very charming. I actually think he has some shining moments in this too. Um, but he's giving nothing. None of these people are giving anything, honestly. Maybe there's too much to get to, so we can't give them anything, but I think they're I just, doing well with what they have, but they yeah. need more. They needed so much more. And cause it because if not, I'm like for me in horror, I'm like, okay, if you're gonna give me characters without layers, then give me body counts with those characters there's no body count except for lips so right because even like with scream 4 with scream 4 they're not entirely developed like kirby's like honestly more developed than jill i would almost say oh yeah yeah but like with four at least you're working with stock types you're like okay i like this person because they represent this stock type here you don't really have that scream 4 is so effective like you said with kirby um and especially the the other guy even the boyfriend like we get it. He's the shitty boyfriend. He's a cheater. He's not in many scenes, but when he shows up, man, we get all his stories and background and layers instantly. We don't even need to see what his home life looks like. Like we, we get it. Trevor is Trevor. Um, but like, yeah, like you said, it, it doesn't match here at all. It is so flat. And this picnic scene outside of the high school where they're all talking, it's supposed to be really reminiscent of the original screen where they're outside of the high school talking on a bench. I'm not buying it. I'm not, it, it, it doesn't, there's no chemistry at all in this group of friends. I yeah, don't feel I like that. they're friends. <laughs> like maybe they should have hung out more before the movie. I don't know, but I don't feel like they're friends. I just not. Yeah, it. it didn't feel as natural. Like, even though we didn't get the friend group like early on either, like kind of, they kind of just jumped into it. Cause we get to the, we first see Sydney and Tatum. Yeah. And then later it goes to the, that group at the fountain, but it just felt more natural and organic there with the way it was done. Exactly. And, but like you said, we got the movie we got, we didn't get the movie we, we want. So it, it's fine. We can't change it. It happened. It's, it's already on screen. So just, uh, we're just talking guys. Anyway, um, really quick before we move on, uh, what's his hair? What's happening here? I don't know. I've never been, I dyed my hair in high school, but not like, that like that I dyed it like just dark like dark brown or black or something I never really did like the brightness like that I don't know if anyone still does but for some reason I think Dylan Minnette can rock it I know he looks good in it but but Dylan is handsome he looks good at anything but I I was like is this is this because they really want us to know that he's related to Judy because she's a bright blonde because if so this is so stupid (laughs) what is this hair dye and they bring it up in the movie like it's going to be a big thing she goes oh your hair and I'm like how are we supposed to fucking know that he's not a natural was it completely blonde though because I thought like kind of where the top part was blonde and it was darker at the bottom 
that's what I mean. He clearly dyed it. But when Sam points out, like, I like your hair, it's kind of like, I felt like if you're going to, to me, every line in a movie is precious, especially the screen movie. I'm like, oh, what does this mean? So I'm like, why did he dye his hair? Why is that a big deal? What's happening? I just met this man. Is it a big deal that he's not brunette? Like, what's happening yeah. here? I mean, I guess in hindsight, in my high school, the, almost like a lot of the guys were doing weird stuff with their hair. So yeah. who knows? Who knows? We'll, ne- we'll never know because he's dead. Um, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> yeah, just just a little bit. Just a little dead. Just a little bit. And we're going to get there. So it turns out that Wes is the son of Judy Hicks which I'm cool with. I, you know, I never, they never mentioned a child uh, in four, but that's fine. Cause we never really got to see Judy outside of her life. So I, I'm cool with him being deputy Judy's, you know, son. Um, Judy is now sheriff of Woodsboro. Good for you, girl. I think if I survive a killing, I deserve a promotion too. Um, Wes then gets a text from Tara that she's awake. And then her friends go to visit her cause fuck school. <laughs> well if you're in the background they said they're cutting classes anyway just because of the one oh. attack well you know what's funny i this is a theme through scream period the universe and it, it matches because the universes are the same during covid it doesn't matter who's attacked how many's attacked um until like scream i think the original scream it took what two two attacks for them to shut down yeah, school it, or it, three it, it, Yep, they did it after Sydney's attack. So after that's Sydney's like two attack. kills and then an attack. Exactly. They're not shutting down school for anything else. They said, oh, Tara was attacked last night, but you guys better be in class at 8 a.m. <laughs> like not even a break a day to like, let's let's take a day to make everyone home with their families. That's the thing with COVID though, right? Like they're like, I don't care if Omicron is killing everybody. Let's just stay in school. Stay in school. It's pretty much all. And the university in Scream 2 never shut the fuck down. Universities are pretty frigid, though, at least around here. Yeah. Like, exactly. don't make you walk your ass through a blizzard knee deep. If, like, you know, unless it was, it made, puzzled me whenever they decided to cancel classes. I'm like, okay. Cancel classes for the snow, but not for COVID. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, we love American education system. Um, okay. So, anyway, they're all going to see Tara except for Liv, who just says she can't go. And <laughs> And if you, when I watched the movie the second time, Cody, Liv is sitting at the picnic table, not a purse, not a backpack, nothing in sight. Like Liv is there just to show up and talk to her friends. She is not attending class. She's a Linda, like Halloween. Oh, I forget my chemistry book, my history book. Who needs books? Exactly. Like I, I was just like, she, she, so where are you going? Cause you're not going to class, Liv. <laughs> like, where are you going after this creepy guy? just rolled up on you, wouldn't you want to stay close to your friends exactly. and not by yourself? Oh, the issues I have. Okay, so Sam and Richie arrive at the hospital, the worst hospital in the world, where they meet Tara's friends in her room, and that's great. I don't know any hospital that would let someone who's just attacked have so many visitors, especially underage visitor, visitors, but again, this is the worst hospital in the world. Um, Tara's happy to see Sam, that's her sister, since it's been five years since she fled from Woodsboro. Um, Tara asked every, well, this is incorrect, Jeremy, that's okay. It's Amber asked everyone to leave and Tara insists that it's just Sam that stays. So small note, Jeremy, but you're doing great. Um, <laughs> like Amber is way, way too- all Way too intense. In, in Tara's business. Like, do you have your second inhaler? And it's like, and the thing with that is, in the early cast descriptions, they said that Tara and Amber were supposed to be a couple. Okay. 
which I would have would bought. Make sense I would have bought here, but they don't give any indication of that here unless you're really reading between the lines. And they don't. And um, where I was going, because I didn't read anything, where I was going is like, we all have that best friend that we are more maternally to. Like t- Amber is more of my friend, Amy. She's she's so much more on top of things to me. So she would ask me like, do you have this? Do you have that? But Amber is also suffocatingly too intense with her friend. Mm-hmm. Like, she wasn't Tatum. Like, she was there when she needed to be, exactly. but she knew when to back off too. Exactly. Like, it just feels like you're overselling it, babe. And you, you're making yourself look real bad. <laughs> you're overselling it right now. Like, what is her obsession with Tara? Is it because she's related to Billy Loomis's daughter, even though Tara has nothing to do with this? Like, is that her obsession with her? Probably, unless, like you said, she's really trying to sell that this is her best friend. She's going to be protective over her. But, you know, like yeah. you said, it's, it's not doing her any favors. Not doing me any favors. Not to an outside viewer, anyway. Yeah, and the way she comes for Sam, like, Sam's back in town, it's just going to be trouble. And I'm like, you were, like, 13 when, what yeah, are you Yeah, you are what? overstepping, you're not family, back off. You're not family. And I really wish, if we are going to go with that angle, we did get a look of Amber's face when Tara asked Sam to say, that was kind of like, but not me. Because if we're going to do it, let's do it. Like, I would feel offended if I was Amber, who I was here for five years, and then you only want her to stay? No, not me, not my crazy ass. I want to stay. I'm your friend, your sister. So I wish we got that shot, but we didn't. All right. So this is what happened next. Oh, what did I miss? Okay, here we go. So, okay, they're at the hospital. Sam's going to stay. Richie's going to stay, but they give him space. And then they do this whole sister thing. The friends gather at a pool hall, which I complained about, but Cody did tell me in his small town that kids can go to the town bar and hang out play yeah pool. like the one yep yep i've seen him play pool i was the one of them i was able, like my you know my mom was like up at the bars having a drink not like getting schlosted but you know she was like just having a drink or something i was over there playing pool okay but, you know it must be a small town thing but again how big is Wisboro really we don't know because the geography makes <laughs> no sense like it's either small or the biggest city in the world i can't tell so, you know, when they're pulling into Woodsboro, actually, they don't even say what the population on the sign. It just says Woodsboro. Yeah, so it's like, who, who knows what the population is at this point? People get bumped off all the time. We literally, they're like, we're sick of changing the population sign on this city. So, so we're going to not even do that. Um, okay, so I, I'll let that go. I won't let that be one of my grievances. The friends gather in the pool hall. They're not drinking from what I can tell. They're just in, like playing pool fine they talk about sam and how she ditched her family and how tara's father walked out on the family and they know a lot i guess because tara's told them um vince is there trying to make a move on live again like why is he so obsessed with this girl i need more context to this than what's than what's happening here it's very frustrating um chad confronts him in a very macho macho man way vince pulls out a knife and the bartender's like get out all of you get out um, and then Vince is taking a piss on the wall and he founds, he finds his cars turned on with the headlights on, but nobody's in the car. I want to talk about this for a brief moment because the car is being revved, which means someone has to either push the, the pedal with their foot or their finger or something, use a, something because by the time he gets the car, the last rev is only like a few feet away. And then Ghostface is what hiding behind the car, just like waiting. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's Scream, so I'm going to say, yeah, sure. But Do shout out, credit for them playing Red Right Hand again, bringing that back. Yes, I thought that was yeah. great. Do we think this is Richie? I 
I don't think so. You because think it's still Amber? I think I want to say yes because okay, you know, Richie didn't know Vince. Right, but they would have done the research, right, to know that Vince was related to Stu. Somehow. Okay, true, yeah. But I would but, almost feel yeah. like like Richie would still have been with Sam at the time. Right. He can't see this is this is, this is that, it's after hard. that that Richie attacked. Is in the hospital. Right, exactly. Sam, is yeah. in the hospital. So poor Rich poor Amber is doing double time because Richie technically can't be seen too many times without Sam because it's been it'd be very clear. So Amber is in the bar. So what we think she excused herself to the bathroom or something and then went outside, killed Vince, came back outside and played pool. Yep. Cool. All right. I'm just, <laughs> we're just tracking it. Also, um, Amber looks on screen to be about five, four and Ghostface looks to be about six, seven. So. Yeah, I, I know. I know exactly what you mean. Like even the, the logic with, you know, cause Jill, uh, Jill had to wear them big ass boots to look taller too. But I will tell you, Cody, I paid attention during Dewey's death scene this time to look at the shoes. They were just regular ass black business shoes. They were not. <laughs> mm. <laughs> they were regular ass shoes. So this movie, whatever. Like if you're gonna go there, just go there. Don't show the shoes, so I can believe it. But I saw the shoes, regular ass shoes. Anyway, <laughs> do you also feel like this death sucked? It was pretty lackluster compared to everything else. Right. Like, it was also like the like in the trailers when they showed the silhouette of Ghostface against the wall. Mm -hmm. I was sad we didn't get that because that was the best shot of the trailer. Like, yeah, I agree. Yeah, depending on what you see though, like it either shows him raising his arms or it just shows his arms shooting out, and you see like the little spiky arms coming out, which I feel like that should have been the cut shots, like um before it before it ended instead of just show him pulling out his knife or like yeah it was just so quick it was like Ta -ta! and i was like what like i know vince wasn't a we needed a body count fine but i just feel like we could juxtaposition to wes's kill which is virtually the same right i stabbed to the neck but it's so much more effective yeah so what are we doing here um again it does feel like to your point it was tacked on it was maybe like in screening tests like oh we need another kill let's just let's throw in let's throw it was in. a hembry right. it was a hembry because hembry was yeah. last minute too pretty much exactly which sucks by the way because also i'm like i know ghostface thing is a knife and we can't bring too much attention to it but i'm like if you're behind the wheel of a car that some stupid idiot just left the keys in, we could just ram him into the wall and then stab him i don't know like let's get creative let's make it yeah. let's use what we got at our disposal we got a whole v8 engine here ready to go like put a brick on the the gas pedal and let's do this thing so um just saying um okay so sam and richie are at the hospital with tara sam goes to the bathroom to take her medication and the biggest grievance of the movie pops up where it turns out that she actually hallucinates seeing the ghost of the original woodsboro killer billy loomis played by screech earl rich please cody i actually don't know your thoughts on this i need to know them my thoughts they should have just kept it to just this one scene. That's Thank all you. we needed. I needed it at all. I think no, we didn't. But I like the general idea. It in a, it's not my favorite. I feel like, yeah, I get everyone's complaints. Those are all hundred percent valid. Yeah. But if they had to have it in any way, shape, or form, just kept it to this hospital scene where she sees them. That's all we needed. If it had to be in it at all. I and I'm a, I 
I'm at the point where I'm like, if I'm going to see it, then yes, you have to track it through the film. Like in terms of screenwriting, I'm like, if we're going to do a flashback or if you're going to do a uh, ghost, you got to keep it through for consistency. I'm, I'm the team. We don't need this. And why do we have this? Okay. Like I'm trying to understand the logic of what's happening here. And it's giving me a headache because she finds out she is the daughter of, she calls him a serial killer, but technically I'm like, if we, is he a serial killer? <laughs> like, what's the number that we need to attach to this? Because I feel like he only did two. And so I feel like Sue did a lot more. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't think he deserves that coin. But you're the daughter. You just find out you're the daughter. And then do you go into psychosis? Like, is that when you had your mental break? She says it was because, you know, drugs and stuff. But then, like, how do you know what you're... Okay, so maybe not, maybe not. She's seen her dad and what he looks like because of the documentaries. I can believe that. She probably went down a rabbit hole watching every video, everything she could get her hands on to learn about him. I get that. In addition to the stab, the stab movie. In addition to the stab movie. So I can believe that she would have an image of what her dad would be. Why is, why is he a member of the Volturi? Why is he a vampire? He has red eyes. Like he was bit by Edward Cullen. I have no idea. I have no answer to that one. Do you not? Did you see the red eyes? I was like, he's a Volturi. He was he was bit by a vampire. <laughs> he was turned. I couldn't get over it. And so, um, I love Screet Erwich. It was so cool to see him um, again. And the de aging, it worked. It looked good. <laughs> like they de aged yeah. him. Um, he's in his final form when Sydney had killed him. So I Sam's don't the bullet hole in the head. <laughs> yeah, Sam's the bullet hole. So I'm really not sure why that image was the image she was imagining for her father. Like he could have just been in regular clothes. I don't know. Um, there's so much wrong with this in the sense that I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's uh, me being too what's the word woke. Um, the people with psychosis or these issues are somehow or you know or people who are related to serial killers have this like darkness in them very dextery very dark passenger i don't know it feels like a trope that's been done before and uh i don't know if it's supposed to make us feel for sam or what but having her dead psycho homicidal maniac father guide her just felt like the we were trying to make billy this anti-hero that he's not yeah i know I agree with that. I don't know exactly what they were trying to push for. Like, they, he wanted Sam to kill the killer. But it's also like, that's not what Billy would do. Billy would want her to kill innocent civilians. Everybody. <laughs> like, like, he's pumping her up, like, remember who you are. I'm like, what? What do you mean to remember who you are? <laughs> right. Freaking go on full on Mufasa. Exactly. <laughs> not Mufasa. Where's she see? in the clouds <laughs> remember 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 <laughs> it's just like remember when rob zombie did it with halloween and we were all like this is such a bad idea no one should ever do this again right. they did it again <laughs> yeah this feels bad i don't want to blame radio silence for this one or even the the screenwriters i feel like this was a studio stupid note how do we get more legacy characters back into the film maybe she sees her dead dad and i'm so mad that anyone took that note seriously that's a terrible this is so Would you have been more okay if it was just skeet Ulrich's voice yes yes like okay but but first of all we don't even need 
we don't even need Billy. Everyone else, like, we don't get to see Randy. We don't get to see uh, Stu. Like, we don't need right. Billy. All we need to know is that Sam is related to Billy, that that yeah. is his daughter. That's enough. And that her fear of turning out like her dad, that's a real thing. That is mm-hmm. a real fear. We don't need Billy to tell us that. We need her to take us through that journey. That's right. it. And in a way, that kind of harkens back to Sydney because where she has a line, she says, I'm afraid I'm going to end up just like her, like her mom. Like your mom. Like, exactly. Not- yeah. Like Maureen. So they could have bonded over that, like the sins of the father or the sins of the mother, that that's a real visceral fear. We didn't need Billy to tell us that. I really, I need to watch when the movie comes out uh, and the, the director commentary, because I need some explanation. Fingers crossed, <laughs> because sometimes commentaries are hit and miss nowadays. Like It's true. They especially will with this, I need, I need a commentary for this. I need it. Oh yeah, we want to understand. <laughs> like, convince me. Maybe we're both wrong on this, but convince me why this was the best decision. I don't know. Yeah. Good for uh, Skeet for getting another paycheck, though. Um, so <laughs> he tells her that she knows why the attacks are happening and that's something to do with it. Sam then receives a call from Ghostface, which we know is Richie, who soon attacks her, and then he runs to find an officer and tells him that they're about to attack Cody. When you watch this movie again, the door, okay, let me paint the picture. The door, Sam walks into the room, right? And then she takes water for her meds, which by the way, we see her pop pills at the bowling alley again. So she needs these meds quite often, but she doesn't take them for the rest of the movie. (laughs) Anyway, so she pops in the front door, right? And then when Ghostface is, he's already in the room, he attacks her. When the cop comes through the door again, after she tells him she's been attacked, I fucking saw the same door that she came in had the nurse's station there and the nurse was there. How like the fuck the did back, she not hear the that? The other door that uh, Ghostface booked it out of? No, the same door that um, Sam walks in in the beginning, which is the okay. same door. I know there's two doors. Yes, there's two doors, but this door that Sam walks in through the beginning to make her way through to the sink is the same door that's in front of the nurse's station. Okay, I, mean, I didn't pay attention to which door she was going in and out of. I just know that there was a separate a door note. that Ghostface booked it out of. Yes, I made a note on that because I said, bitch, where were you? You didn't hear all the shit going on in here. <laughs> Again, shitty hospital, who knows? The nurses are probably getting it on Grey's Anatomy style in a closet. Exactly, that's, that's exactly where they were. They're in the closet. So that was just another like geography thing where I'm like, we couldn't we not make like the break room in the basement or something like more obscure where she could be feasible alone not in the middle of the nurse's station hall i don't know man it just bothers me um but she (laughs) go ahead sorry it's a horror trope all hospitals are unrealistic in horror no matter which one you're in which one is worse the hospital in in scream five or the hospital in halloween kills i feel like probably this one i do like (laughs) exactly kills was just so chaotic who the hell knows what they were all doing they were all probably just like i'm quitting i'm quitting I'm no they quit. had staff right the staff was there we could see them they were it, un- yeah. in an uprise but they, they yeah. were there at least they were employed um yeah this hospital is the worst it's empty as hell there's no other patients no other staff members it's awful um sorry Mishan, we're busy so Ghostface attacks um she runs out she finds an officer she tells him about the attack Judy comes to talk to Sam, Tara, Richie, Amber, with some suspicions around it. Richie, because he was supposed to be there. Um, Judy remembers Sam and how she caused problems with the family and suggests that Richie and her leave town in the morning. And, and then Sam then asked Richie and Amber uh, to leave so she could talk to Tara. But before we get to that, did you notice uh, Judy's walk away from Sam? 
was that? Just, like just, so, just, just her walking down proud. the hall. It was so like big and bad. It was like, ooh, I ooh. feel like that's very on point with Judy though, because she tried yeah. to act like such a professional in the fourth one too. I loved it though. I thought, I thought her name is um what is the actress's name marley shelton marley is so funny and i was like she's so good at this character and that's what i mean about an actor that just stands out she hadn't she wasn't doing anything but walking down the hall but she was fully judy hicks walking down Mm -hmm. the hall just marching (laughs) marching away it cracks me up when i think about it i love her so dearly i think she's the best addition to this franchise that we've seen in a long time I will say I was not a fan of her in the fourth. Not I liked Marley. It's just Judy kind of irked me so bad in the fourth one. But here, I like that we saw a more non kooky side of her. Like, yeah, we yeah. we saw her. We saw her wanting. She was trying to intimidate Sam. I liked that. But she also had her goofy side, like her little like loving, doting mother side. Yeah. And then obviously uh, uh, in yeah. her big in her big scene, she's trying to get back to Wes that gutted me so bad yes we're gonna get get there there. yeah we're gonna get there because i do agree with you again she had what two scenes three maybe with the kids in the beginning in this movie but it gave us so much more to her as a character and she killed every scene god she killed that that scene that we're gonna get to so i really enjoyed her rest in peace hicks we love you girl um okay so this is the moment I was talking about earlier where Sam tells Tara, she reveals that when she was 13, she was in the attic of the old house. <laughs> Cody already knows what I'm gonna say. <laughs> Sam was in the attic of the house and she found a diary that her mom wrote when they were teenagers thinking it'd be about her dad and how they fell in love. But it turns out that it had the confession that Sam was the illegitimate daughter of Billy Loomis because we all keep our old high school diaries in the attic of the house where our children can find them easily and learn horrible family secrets. That's completely believable, right? I wouldn't know. Is that a small town thing, Cody? (laughs) I don't know. I'm sure I have like a couple of journals lying around in my room somewhere, but- With a horrible family secret? (laughs) I don't know if I have any horrible family secrets, but you know- Right, right, right. I just feel like- I feel like this is this is bad screenwriting. This is bad screenwriting. There's other feasible ways for Sam to have found out that she is the daughter of Billy Loomis rather than a diary because she was looking for Christmas presents in the attic of their home. That is bad writing. <laughs> like, I don't have the solution, but I know there's one. Anyway, so she's she's telling she's telling Tara this and that that's why their dad left, which is kind of shitty as a dad, like, yes, that's awful what their mom did, but also it's not the kid's fault. And you can't just abandon your two girls just because, you know. Right, and I can't even imagine what Sam must have felt knowing her dad, realizing her dad was behind her. Like, that's a lot of guilt to hang on to now because of that. That's a lot of guilt and that's horrible. But again, she was what, uh, 13, yeah, she was 13. So it's it's a very 13 reaction, like yeah. to just not care about finding a moment of silence or privacy. It's just like, you did this and I did this. And yeah, I totally get that. And I totally uh, feel sorry for Sam in that respect. She was dealt a shitty hand though, cause she's abandoned by both dads now. Just kidding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Sam. Um, so she's filled with guilt and horror. Um, and she fled town because she she thought she was going to end up just like Billy, which there was no indication that she had any psychosis issues as a child until she found out about her dad. So I really don't understand the leaving of the town thing. 
I don't. Yeah. I wonder if a lot of it did become because of her drug dependency that that's when the um, visions kind of came into play. For sure. And that, that makes sense, right? Like you just found, like, cause that was my question. Do you, do you find out you're related to Billy Loomis and then you have a psychotic break? Is it that devastating for you? I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I think I'm not the daughter of a serial killer. I don't know if I've never really been a part of this man's life. If I would be that distraught to break into psychosis that I found out I was his child. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. yeah. And we wouldn't know until we're put in that position, but I can't see myself either. But you know, Sam was pretty much hit twice. Her dad's not her dad. Her real dad is a killer. Her real dad is a killer. Um, but it sounds like her mom really loved her. I don't know. I just want to know more about this family dynamic. Like, was it a bad household? It sounds like your dad liked you. So I'd have been kind of, for me, I can't speak for anyone else, like you said, but fuck this Billy Loomis guy. This is my dad. This is my dad. Like, he's taking care of me. He's here. I am her, his daughter. That's usually how it goes, though. And when it comes to teens finding out truths like that, they'll be like, you lied to me this whole time. I hate you. Yeah, they're very dramatic. So I mean, her feelings are valid. I totally get it. Again, I don't feel like the actress perfectly executed the emotionality that had to come out through this monologue, but I do feel like my girl, Jenny Ortega, said everything she had to say with her eyes. 100%. She took us on a journey. It was disbelief, then horror, then anger, then mal. You know, she took us on a real journey, so much so that when she said her get the fuck out line, both screenings, the audience audibly gasped. They were like, damn. You know, like mm-hmm. that's how impactful Tara's reaction was to them. Yeah. No offense to this, uh, Melissa. I think, I think maybe there were better takes as all. So um, Sam is outside the room and, uh, or sorry, Richie's outside the room. Sam, please, because she was told to get the fuck out and um, tells Richie he should go back to Modesto in a very, um, I don't know if you felt this way. It felt very like daytime soap opera. I was like, you should just leave. I'm no good. <laughs> I get that. I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, Richie says, I love you. She doesn't say it back. Does she? I don't think she does. But yeah, I guess she, she calls him a dumbass or something. Oh, yeah. Like that. She calls him a dumbass. I mean, it's six months. So I guess I love user fair, but also maybe she doesn't love him. <laughs> maybe she's incapable of love, like her dad. So <laughs> lots of emotions. Um, but he vows to stay with her until Tara is safe. And then Sam says they need to find an expert. Cut to Sam and Richie find the home of former Sheriff Dewey Riley. We all know David Arquette, who lives alone and is separated from Gail Weathers. He's watching her on a now successful morning news show. Dewey doesn't want to talk to Sam and Richie until Sam says that she is Billy's daughter. Then Dewey suggests that if the killer was inspired by the first stab movie, that there's certain rules they need to follow to survive. And number one is don't trust the love interest. Lots to unpack here. First of all, we saw Tatum. Yes, we did. That was very sweet. It was after getting her getting kind of the shaft throughout the franchise. I For still like would have. Movies. <laughs> I still would have loved if Sydney had named one of her girls Tatum. I think that would have been the ultimate tribute. But yeah, you know who knows? Maybe who knows? We never got to see the girls, so nope, we just saw a stroller. <laughs> we just saw a stroller. Which I'm like, are you walking one girl or are you? Are there two in that stroller? <laughs> like, like I mean, I don't know if it looks big enough for two. It could have, but didn't. it didn't look that big. It didn't. It looked like one. So I was like, maybe the other one's at home with Mark. I don't know. Yeah. But I'm not gonna mom shame you, but I'm just saying. I didn't yeah. I didn't see two. Um, what do you think about Dewey's rules? 
for the fans. I know well, some people. Ha- I know some people have issues with them saying like, "Oh, these aren't don't ring true," but it's like the rules are always changing, you know. Yeah. And this one, he's particularly talking about relating. Sam. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. I think the, my second viewing, I was much more gracious to that because I was upset in the first one because I was looking at it the lens of stab franchise aka scream franchise but he is specifically talking about the first movie so it that makes more sense to me the love interest thing and the group of friends thing and um all of that so i i totally admit that i was wrong on that point because it makes more sense now um so he refuses to help them he calls sydney we all talked about in case you didn't know i found this out in our clubhouse room mark that's kincaid from Scream mm. 3. They made it work. Yeah. So Especially knowing the time. Like, it was obviously, well, I should say obviously because it's not mentioned, you know, like just like Wes wasn't mentioned in 4. They very well could have been together in 4. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know. So. She was keeping her life private. She was going on a book tour. She obviously, for good reason, wouldn't want to announce that she was seeing anyone. She's Sydney Prescott. So, mm-hmm. love it. Um, I love the idea that Sydney's gotten so comfortable with her life that she's running on the streets and walking, walking her children because it's been 11 years since her niece tried to gutter. And she's just like, I, this was the end. I'm, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to continue because she's a survivor. Love you, Sydney. Um, I, this is my highlight of the movie, seeing Sydney on screen again, but also knowing that she's happy. That made mm-hmm. me so happy. Exactly. It was so well-deserved. She has kids. They're going to school. She's with Mark. It looks like she lives in San Francisco from the layout, but- She's it always me- packing. She's always packing, which we'll get there. Mark keeps my girl strapped. Mark says, baby, go take your care of your business, but take a box of guns with you <laughs> and some trackers. He loads her up. And I really, really, I think it's the smartest thing for her to do is to marry a cop too. Like- <laughs> girl you're always gonna be safe I'm a um, and a, yeah a detective good for her so I I love seeing Sydney so happy and it made me it made me happy and I love I love the idea of Sydney like oh it's happening again oh well you take care of yourself man I'm not coming <laughs> like, right I can't come Dude, you so. know I'm not sitting back in that shit ass town yeah she's like that sucks but thanks for keeping me updated <laughs> they got you they got you Dewey you got it you got it right <laughs> you're good and she hangs up the phone and she continues to you know live her life love that for you Sid because I'm not coming back either um okay so after some consideration and no uh google map instructions Dewey finds himself somehow at the house of Chad and Mindy's home <laughs> sorry I couldn't let that pothole go like they never said where they were going this is yeah. after informing Gail that Ghostface is back I this made me laugh both times yes can't miss this. don't come here Hope you are well. Smiley emoji. I Could you imagine texting? Emoji. But don't you think that Gail, okay, so maybe not because the town is small. Here's my reasoning. Gail is a network news anchor like on Good Morning America. Yeah, wouldn't the news, deal. yeah, but wouldn't she know that? Like, wouldn't it have made national news? I'm not sure. She was on TV though. It was early morning and Tara got attacked late at night. So I'll, I'll put that aside. Yeah. I'll put that aside. I won't grieve on that one, but I love the idea. I love that moment of Dewey just like, maybe I shouldn't have texted that. <laughs> and then a little, little Easter egg too of Gail saying, talking about bangs. She's like, don't ever let me cut my bangs again. Yes, and it's so funny because I'm the only one that defends her bangs. I'm like, I love it. I love the bangs. I love it. And she, I love, that was a good fan moment. I, there's few fan moments like that where you're like, okay, whoever's writing this, 
understands what we want. Like mm -hmm. the banter, all that stuff, they get it. Um, so, but do we find themselves at uh, Chad and Mindy's home with Sam and Richie? Oh, and we run into, uh, uh, sorry, where, Martha. Where, Martha. I don't know why it's not in here. I'm sorry, I got to read an order. Let me read an order. All right, so Randy Meeks um, is the uncle of Chad and Mindy. Um, Mindy is just as much of a film buff as her uncle was, especially horror. The other friends are gathered so that Sam can explain that she is Billy's daughter. She's making this about her and it really is not. <laughs> like, she's like, I am Billy's daughter. Tara is the one that got stabbed though, honey. I really need you to calm down. I'm just saying, I'm just saying it's a lot about her. It's a lot about Sam. It's not really anything to do with her. Um, all right, so the connections that they have to the killings are the, from the original first murder of the stab movie. Amber says that she learned that Vince is the nephew of Stumacher, Billy's accomplice. She just Googles it. It was right. so easy to Google. So that's why I'm like, this never came up before. Like you'd have to get one of those like accounts. You actually have to get like almost paid for to find people's like exactly. relatives and all that. Exactly. So she must have bought can... the, the trial. <laughs> yeah. She used her free trial. But is she that should have been a red flag right there. Like, bitch, you looked that up so quickly. How did you know? <laughs> like Amber, she knows. She knows a lot. Um, so Mindy suggests that the killers is doing a requel. Okay, Cody, I have never heard of the term requel. Really? I haven't. Is it a thing? Oh, yeah. It's definitely a thing. Is it a Reddit thing? Because I'm not on Reddit. I mean, I haven't. I'm, I only look at Reddit if I need to know something. Okay. Or, like, want to know, like, the Discord on things. But, no, this... I don't like I I know I didn't come up with it but the idea has it in my head so it's like there's sometimes where it's like okay well like that's almost what I called Scream 4 when it came out it's like not in this sense well I guess it's in the same way but like I thought I didn't know what to call Scream 4 or what they wanted to call it because it's like they're going for the remakes but it's also a sequel so like a remake sequel almost no you bring up such a good point haven't we done this already then like Scream 4 was the requel literally to the T where Jill was Sydney. That's yeah. the so why are we doing this again i'm wondering if it's just because maybe it didn't work out the way i think because now they're do like the way that mindy is describing it here yeah is more in the sense of how hollywood is doing it now like how they had the new star wars films and now yeah. with the new halloweens it's they're kind of going more for that idea as opposed to remix gotcha i i feel like I've never heard the term requel, but I know what she's talking about. And to me, I call it like legacy sequel, whereas you're going to bring the old in for a new story in the new. Um, that's how I feel about Jurassic Park and Halloween. And it's like, we have all our old players, but we're bringing it up to date for these new viewers. I've never heard the word requel, a reboot in a sequel, but I think it's the same thing, a legacy. Yeah. Legacy thing. Um now that you pointed that out to me, it kind of makes me a little mad because we've done this before. <laughs> we saw, and I still think Scream 4 did it better. I think it all just comes down to the theme of it. Like, 4 was yeah. about remakes. This one is just about reboot sequels things. like we And toxic say. fandom, which I get. Yeah. I liked that theme, actually, because I'm one of them, I think. Um, okay, so when we get this, this uh speech from mindy and no offense to this actress again didn't really nail it for me it didn't feel authentic as when kirby's talking about film or or um 
what's the guy in Scream Four? Sorry, Randy. Rand. Uh, Rand is Randy. That's not his name. Randy. Or oh, oh, I thought you were talking about um, Charlie. Scream Four. Charlie. Thank you. Sorry. When Charlie's talking about um, film in general or or Kirby, this didn't feel authentic. This felt very um, acting class. Like you're hitting all the acting note beats, but you're not giving it to me authentically. You know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that. Like and yeah it's just weird because too, too, because you know, looking at Jasmine Savoy Brown on Yellow Jack is she is amazing on that. We know she can act. We know so, she can act. So is it the script? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just maybe she was just trying to get into this character in a different way. Maybe it didn't really land as well. Like I get what you mean. It felt the performance here felt very rapid. Yes. Like she was just trying to run through the whole thing at once. Yeah, it, it felt very rehearsed. That's it. it. It felt, you could feel the rehearsal. Like, you know, she memorized the lines and she was delivering the lines, but it didn't, there was no impassion behind it. The way even Randy, her uncle or Kirby or Charlie would have done it. So, sorry, it's no offense to her. It is just a bad decision, I think, in performance wise. Again, I could blame the, I could blame the director, the editor, could be better takes. That's all I know the final product. Um, we, I don't want to skip over Martha, but it's not in here, Jeremy, and you skipped over it. Martha is back. She's making snacks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to know that you hated this as much as I did. <laughs> I love seeing Martha back, but what I did do, they too. do to her? What she did was, they, a lobotomy. <laughs> That's what they like, did. Martha's like, like, a, like, she was fun, but she was also very chill in three. She's like, yeah. You know, like when they pulled the guns on her, she's like, don't shoot me, I'm only 17. Yeah. And she's, you can tell she had like a serious side too when they're watching the video, like, you know, this is a huge deal, you know, this is my brother. But now she's like, you know, like we had talked about in the clubhouse room, she's like wanting her kids to get involved with this murder case. She said, ooh, suspects. Bitch, this your is Your uncle would life. be so proud. Yeah, what? Your uncle would tell you to leave town. Randy was no fool. He, he knew and understand the patterns of what was happening. He would tell you to get out of town until everything is done. Like, he's not proud. Like, he's probably in heaven going, you dumbasses. Have Do you, you not, not know learned? that I'm dead? Do you, you know how I died, right? Like, playing around in this game. Um, I don't like that either, but I love Heather Mazzarato. I think she's so cool and sensational, everything she does. Um, and I'm glad they brought her back, but they underutilized as well. Like if anyone's got to die, it's got to be Heather, right? Like, why are the kids yeah. being punished? <laughs> You're literally his sister. You got to go. So I would much rather of, a, of a, them use their legacy actors, really use them. Like if we're going for this whole, you're related to someone, let's kill everybody. Let's kill Sil's, Sue's sister. Let's knock out family line, family trees, right? Mm -hmm. Let's even do that. Even if like, even if Martha was barely in three, she's still a legacy, like you said. She's still a legacy. And you brought, she was enough legacy for you to bring her back, but not for some bullshit, like enjoy your snacks, kids line. I hope you find the killer. They might be in my living room right now. No. Yeah. No. Also, good for you, Martha. You married a black man or maybe because we never saw the dad, but we know he's black. Something happened there. I want the yeah. full story. <laughs> Gail, write me a book. Um, okay, so again, Sam making this about herself. When Wes, uh, Wes worries, his mom is next. And tell me your opinion on this because I didn't really see it until the second watch. Mindy is kind of being a bitch. 
yeah she is being pretty harsh Big about bitch. it i yeah. think at the time i think at the like because it's i don't think she meant for it to be bitchy but it came off bitchy like she mm-hmm. didn't she didn't she thought he was safe probably it's like oh you're safe you're not anything to this franchise but then that and then this is a plot hole too if we are making a requel why the fuck did officer hicks and west get the the shit because they're not in the original staff they're in like right if anything time. they would have been kind of lower on the totem pole. exactly but they made a big deal to go after them so so that pisses me off because you're not even following your own rules like follow your own rules if you're telling me this is a requel and we don't give a shit about everyone who's you know even involved in the franchise so we're not going to kill you kill everybody then make it everyone who's anyone who's related somehow to that number one we're we're killing we're going after i do, I do think that's another that's the thing with this franchise though too like how in two they completely forgot about the whole remaking with well not remaking but killing people with the same names yeah three they forgot about killing in the order they died in stab yeah in the movie yeah <laughs> yeah and then four com- the how they were remaking Woodsboro. they yeah forgot about that forgot about that dude. so yeah, it's kind of a trademark at this point to have an idea and then just forget about it it's fine we'll chalk it up to it's green it's fine yeah it's um <laughs> it's great well that's where i'm gonna say when i can't make sense of a decision it's green <laughs> we'll keep moving on if the halloween fans can still be loyal to that fucked up franchise i can be loyal to this franchise yeah <laughs> halloween fans have it worse than us bless them um the only one the only franchise that actually has it really good is the nightmare on elm street franchise fans because they haven't had any remakes since the the 2009 one because they shut that (laughs) shit down really quick but (laughs) when it comes back i hope i hope they understand how we feel right now (laughs) yeah keep platinum doings out of the picture on that one Mm, i think blumhouse has the rights to nightmare on elm street though that could go one way or the other yeah, we'll see. Um, okay, so Jeff later, uh, Judy, sorry, later orders foods for herself and Wes, sushi. And she goes to pick it up and I caught this on the second time. This is also a screenwriting thing that I hate. It's called um, trying to justify the suspension of belief. So hear me out, walk with me here, Cody. Judy orders sushi. And when Wes comes home, he asks her specifically, why didn't you just Postmates it? And her reasoning is that it gets soggy. <laughs> That's her reasoning. Because the screenwriters or whoever gave the note was like, well, the, the audience won't believe that she wanted just Postmate deliver it. We got to get a reason for her to get out the house. And I'm like, that's that's crazy. At this point, you've made me believe that this woman is talking to her dead daddy's ghost. I can believe that a bitch just wants to go pick up some fucking sushi. Like, right. I don't need a reason. <laughs> The only possible possibility I can also see is it might be a, a dig at Postmates because they're probably notorious for fucking up people's food on the way there. Maybe, but I like I that. like DoorDash, whatever. People are saying like, "Oh, my food was squished," or things were spilt all over when they delivered Have it. Have you ever ordered sushi to your house? No, sushi is expensive. I well, yes, it is. I have ordered sushi in my house, never not once because it's raw. Has it ever been squishy? It's, I mean, it's literally already squishy. It's sushi. And it's not like it's steamed or anything to where it's going to like. Right. The con- it's not going to get all soggy and squishy like something with condensation would. 
exactly so like when we when during the pandemic when we ordered food from this one place for pickup it was like hot food like a burger and stuff it was like the bun was squishy as hell yeah but yeah and that that makes more sense like if she, if it was a burger i would totally understand that i go oh yeah you know one wants this nasty like ketchup like squishy bun from a takeout yeah. like yeah you gotta go pick that shit up fresh that makes sense to me or fish no one wants to do takeout fish that's nasty as fuck like no let's go pick up the fish but sushi? <laughs> sushi that's wrapped in rice you're fine you're literally fine yeah that's a small thing but it's just one of those things where i'm like they were so the detail they put on making sure we knew that she left the house because she didn't want squishy sushi or because Wes didn't like it you could have put that energy into some other fucking plot holes in this movie. <laughs> like, yeah. Plug that one up really quick. But anyway, she leaves. On her way there, she's called by Ghostface, who threatens um, that he's about to kill Wes. And she speeds back home and tries to call Wes, but he's taking a shower. And apparently he put his phone on Do Not Disturb. This is also a small thing, Cody. Take it or leave it. It's definitely a more personalized issue. But when my teenage brothers take showers, they always, always put music on. Like, I do. Okay. Wes is literally showering in dead silence. And I can't imagine doing that. <laughs> yeah. So it's a small thing, but in my, my filmmaker head, I was like, it's more effective to me if you make Wes play one of his band songs. Like Dylan has great music in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Play a band song and singing along to it. And his phone is on Do Not Disturb rather than it's just on Vibrate on the counter. You know what I mean? I thought I heard it ring, or was it on Do Not Disturb? It was on Vibrate. It was okay. on Do Not Disturb and on, or on Vibrate, but it was, it was very low. Because that way he can be singing in the shower, and then it actually raises the anxiety of, like, he can't hear what the fuck is happening outside of his... He can't hear anything. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's so, I do know song. that if I have it on... If I'm playing music, even if it's on mute, the music will stop. The music will stop. Yeah, and that's that's yeah. even scarier, right? You're just like, oh my god, who's calling me? I'm trying, and then yeah, cool, music back on. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I wanted to see more Wes being carefree in the shower, not knowing that he might be in danger, to really play up that he's about to be in danger. Right. That's a small thing. Again, you guys take it or leave it. I'm just shooting the shit. But Officer Judy, who's only drove like three blocks at this point, is apparently 20 minutes away from home. Um, she does <laughs> alert her uh, dispatch officer that they need all units, and they're like, "Yeah, we're r- right away." Those motherfuckers never come. <laughs> What's for a police department does not show up for the sheriff. They're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, cool, we're on our way." Never comes. Don't understand it. Um, so she speeds back home. Uh, Judy runs to the front of the house. This makes me so sad. Uh. Her call, like begging for her son's life, like he's a good that kid. That felt real as that hell. Real. Oh my god! That made me almost shed a tear because I was like, "Fuck!" Like she really loves her son, and yes. she she really has nothing to do with the stab movie, so she doesn't deserve it. Wes doesn't deserve it. Like just so I can see a real mom saying something like that. Please, he's a good kid. I will do anything. He's a good kid, and the same like he really is a good kid. He these other assholes like if you want to randy's rules of like virgins you know don't die and shit he seemed like he was a virgin they made fun of him for that he didn't have a girlfriend and um he was always very cautious he really cared about tara like really cared about tara he was the one that called sam no one had to call sam but tara did but but Wes did and um he really didn't have to go like that kind of broke my heart i really i liked him 
I really wanted him to stick it out. And I like I Dylan didn't as an actor. I didn't expect them to die in the same sequence together at all. I thought it was going to be know. Judy. I thought, I thought it was, it was Judy. So Judy runs out of her car. She's, I'm coming, baby. And he, Ghostface, steps out from the porch and lays it into her so violently. Broad daylight in open. Ghostface does not give two fucks this time. Broad daylight in a nice white neighborhood and not one person said shit. (laughs) They didn't see anything. They didn't say anything. They said, mind my business. They they pulled a Halloween with Lori running up to the door. Let me in. Nope. I I told you this. I imagine someone across the street actually did saw something through the blinds was like, fuck it. This town is, I gotta go. I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm not going to help. I'm sorry. (laughs) I love you officer. Hold Zillow. But also I was like, you're the sheriff of the town. I feel like you should keep your peace on you. Like you're the sheriff and you know, someone's in your house about to kill your son. Where the, where's your gun, Judy from the car. Her mind was on the sushi. Her mind was on the sushi. Cause I would have went guns up approaching the house. Like I'm coming. You know, but, 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 but again, I definitely wouldn't have, like, in her perspective, too, I wouldn't have expected him to be popping up. Oh, on the yeah. Porch no, not on the porch, not on the porch. I thought you were gonna be in the house. Um, that, so that whole sequence is so, so effective. Again, we don't even get a lot of scenes with Judy, but that actress is so talented. She sold, I felt the, the, her big blue eyes and the tears. I felt every, I'm not even a mother, and I felt that I wanted her to make it so bad, yeah, so yeah. bad. I've seen Marley in a lot of films and she's mostly play, kind of played the goofy girl. Like even in Planet yeah. Terror, like when her kid dies, and yeah. dad, she was still, it wasn't like as emotional as this. It wasn't, but it was still really good. Like remember her arms, her hands are flabbergasted and her makeup yeah, is yeah. running and she's still trying to like hoist her son up. She's really yeah, good. She, yeah. She's been mostly known for comedic work. So it was really great to see her going to a level like this. Love it. And I love, yeah, she was, God, she was my, one of my highlights of the film is like, she, she did exactly what she needed to do. She gave us some, both of them, some emotional connection. Like I, I, mm, this may be a little mean. I felt more connected to Wes and Judy's relationship than Sam and Tara's. Sorry, I did. I I wasn't. I I can hundred percent, I hundred percent understand and respect that because I don't blame you at all. Yeah. I felt like even as little time as they got together, Sam, uh, Wes and Judy, connection was so much stronger than sam and tara like i love the idea i have a sister i love the idea of sisters bonding on screen those two girls together it just didn't jive for me with their chemistry together separately different story together not great um so ghostface kills judy outside and while wes is upstairs um he comes downstairs and we get a bunch of fake outs, like a bunch of like, he's opening the door. No one's there. He's opening the fridge. He's no one there. And that's fine. Cause I love, I think that's effective directing like fake outs. Like mm-hmm. you think you're going to get what you're at. Well, I want to say is that legend has it is that Wes is still setting the table for this dinner. That's what I was told by my sources. He really <laughs> was about to make a really nice setup. Like, mm-hmm. he had the, the you plate. don't get that from most kids nowadays. Most kids are going to be like, no, no goddamn table. I think it was overkill only because I know the sushi would have came in styrofoam and it's like, "Eh, don't waste a dish. But I think it's very cute. He went for the soy sauce. He went for the edamame, the chopsticks. Um, I don't know if you caught this, Cody, but I wrote it in my notes for my second viewing. When he opens the freezer, holy shit, they got a lot of boxes of Choco Taco, like four or five boxes of Choco Tacos. I think I might have caught that. I was just like, how many Choco Taco boxes does one house need? Like, I love Choco Taco too. Haven't had it in years, but- Four boxes? That's quite a lot. That's quite yeah. a lot. 
small thing. Um, oh, really quick before we move on to Wes's death, the killer kept saying Officer Judy, and it felt very anti-Semitic. Yeah, what was that? <laughs> like, what what is that supposed to mean, Judy? I, don't I know. think it, maybe it was just like a poke general character, like just very goofy and not taking yeah. her seriously. It, it definitely wasn't taking her seriously because it's Officer H- it's Sheriff Hicks, motherfucker. First of all. Sheriff Hicks, not Officer. Yeah, she made that very well known to Sam. Yeah, I am Sheriff motherfucking Hicks. I run this town. So that was just disrespectful. Do we think that was Richie? Because at this point, where is where is Sam? Well, both because like Sam took off after like they were like, oh, you're the killer. Sam took off and bailed on Richie there. Right. And so then Richie went back to the motel. Him and Amber were left there. But Richie, um, we do get a scene where Richie in the motel and he's watching YouTube stab. That's play. later. Oh, that's, that's later good. when she, I think she calls him when she's on her way to the hospital with Dewey. Yes, yes, that's true. Okay, so it could have been Amber or Sam. I'm gonna, or Richie. I'm gonna say it was Richie only because the the visceral violence on the both of them i don't know i just feel like it should be richie i've my, my reason i think it was still it was amber is because richie didn't know when the hell sam was going to come back to the hotel so he probably would have had to hightail it there okay okay richie i need you to step up your game <laughs> like amber's doing all this dirty work like, like where are you going to yeah. kill people when i'm look like in hindsight i was thinking like richie didn't kill anybody in this goddamn movie it, that could be that could be true Cause he, when would he have had the time to yeah, do it? He had, cause Amber had nowhere to be really. She was, yeah, she's unemployed. She's not going to school. So um, we have to, when we get to the end, when we go back and think about it too, cause I feel like you're right. I don't think Richie did shit. <laughs> it sucks. Cause he played himself up to be like the, I really wanted to kill you. Whatever, we'll get there. Um, Wes dies in a very slow neck death, which is similar oh to Vince, God. but so much slower. And I felt much more, yeah, slower and more brutal. Like, I swear to God, I'm sitting like, please don't let him pull it out of his neck too, like off to the side, like just ripping yeah. flesh. Like, just ugh. good makeup, good makeup, you that guys. Was that was brilliant, yes. fantastic, well executed. You needed more of that. We would have, I would have felt a little better, but that was that was brilliant. Um, in this in this uh, breakdown, um, I'm reading Cody. It does say Judy. After they leave the house, it says when Mindy suggests that Sam could be this killer, she storms out and goes back to her motel. So she goes back to the whole the motel and maybe Richard Richie follows her there. I don't know. We'll see. All I know is she says, I'll meet you at the hotel. Yeah. So which I, is like we just see her driving and she ends up at Wes's house. Yeah. But yeah, what was that? Did she know? How did she know? I don't know. Like maybe it was happenstance. It's scream. <laughs> there we go. It's scream. Cool. We'll just keep moving on. <laughs> So Sam and they're at the, they're at the, the, Sam makes it to the Wes's house and the actor who gives the line, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I love you, sir. You had two lines and you killed it. You gave me a different, I'm sorry. Every pitch. Love you, sir. The officer. Remember? He's like, I'm sorry. Yeah. He didn't need to give any explanation. He, he was doing his job. He was keeping her away. He, He just using those two words to say everything. 
I love it. I hope you do well in career. I hope you have a bigger role actually, sir, because you did a great job. I love you a lot. Um, so Sam and Dewey later come across this, the crime scene and then we get Gail in a beautiful reveal in this red pantsuit. She's just everything. Her brown hair is just shiny and, and awesome. And um, she notices, uh, you know, Ju Judy is dead and they bond over Judy not liking either of them. Very cute. Um, but then she chastises Dewey for telling her about the killings via text. And although their reunion is rocky, he admits to Gail that he was forced to retire from the job after they split up. He began drinking is the undertone to that. Um, when Sam notices the deputy from the hospital, the hot Asian one, um, I guess there is some Asian representation, but he needs more. At the crime scene, she realizes that nobody at the hospital is looking after Tara because Tara is the only one that matters in the hospital. So she heads over there and is joined by Dewey. Um, what did you think about this reunion between Dewey and Gail? I think it was sweet, but it was also felt very real. I felt, because obviously we yeah. know that David and Courtney are divorced in real life. Yeah, for quite some it time. I felt like it was both like them in real life coming out in ways. Like yeah. they knew that it didn't work, but they still yeah. have some respect for each other. I agree. And they share a kid. So they obviously have to co-parent and still be friendly, but um, it it felt really powerful i hated that that was their last moment though but also at the same time that they got some resolution in their relationship in their in his last moment um david arquette looks so good he looks so ruggedly handsome i really like this beard and gray mustache thing happening yeah right? when any on any other like person who's on the bottle they wouldn't look that great yeah yeah exactly he, he's holding up really well I, I feel like uh Dewey and um Sam's and Tara's mom probably bonded over a few beers at some point in, right. the, in the local bar um and then Courtney Courtney Cox is just Gail Gail has such a snippiness to her that's so great it's what Mindy needed more of because Gail is a bitch, but she is a lovable bitch where you're like, she's right though. Like she's, she's right. And she's a bitch in a way she's very protective of the people she loves and not beating down on them, which Mindy kind of does that I don't like. That was part of her growth too. Like the first one, she was a cold hearted bitch. She, she didn't was care a cold hearted bitch. Yeah. And then the second one, she was still kind of that, but she grew. Yeah. And then third she one, she was, she was at perfect level. Yep. Yep. And, and she, was, yeah. she stayed with it. And she stayed with it and we love that. We love it. So I really love this reunion. I love seeing these two actors. It took a while to get us, you know, them together. And then it even takes a longer, we never get to see the three of them together on screen, which I think is a big sad thing for me, like to get all three together back again before Dewey goes, but. I felt that was gonna happen though. Yeah, we we, we called it. We, we said in our clubhouse prediction room, Dewey or Gale, and we hope it's Dewey. <laughs> we hope it's not Gale. <laughs> yeah, like just the trailer pretty much showed that he was going to die because we see him coming into the hospital hallway, the fight, and then we see the quick shot of Gale being held back, looking severely strong. Like there's no one else you would look that way for other than Dewey. There's no one else. Yeah, Gale, Gale, Gale isn't like anybody except for Dewey and Sydney. So we're good on that. And it, the the underlying story is that Gail got the job in New York and it was her turn, remember? Because she stayed in Scream 4, she specifically said she stayed in Woodsboro for Dewey. Like, that's the only reason why she's in this town. Um, and that she was very frustrated because she couldn't write there and all these things. Um, so Gail got the big job promotion that Dewey went with her, but after two months realized he's much more of a small town guy and he couldn't cut it in New York. And I think that's such a real story. That's probably the it most is. authentic storyline. Yeah, yeah, in this yeah. whole movie. And like, even in three, when he proposes to her, 
he's like, you and I both know this isn't going to work, but can we try to prove yeah. each other wrong? Exactly. That was a, that's totally real. And, you know, my hot take, I never felt they were a good pair. I liked them together, but yeah. I never felt they fit. They, but it was cute for they them don't. to try. They wanted to try. And, you're, and that's such a good point because sometimes people aren't meant to be lovers but friends and that was her best friend as she right, says right. later. yeah i love that she said Loved that it. like you, you didn't kill like you killed my husband you killed my ex you killed my best friend that's that my was best the friend. perfect way to say it yeah and i totally agree because that is that is your best friend like whether your relationship romantically worked out or not or not that's your best friend and it feels very low it feels the most authentic storyline in this whole movie is this storyline because i could totally see gail going to New York, she would thrive in New York. She was made for New York City, yeah, right? Yeah. That's built her whole career up to get to New York City. Hello, Diane Sawyer. Um, and Dewey wasn't. Dewey is always meant to be in Wardsboro. And I love right. that they admit that and that that's what happened, so. And I like that she she held him responsible, but she also didn't she didn't, like hurt him either. It's like, you're a hundred, you're, many things do we but you are not but you're not a coward that yeah. was so good that was so good she never emasculates dewey like right. even right. when she first met him she's like oh you're my demographic box i just missed you by a year she's always uplifted him to be more than people expected him to be and i loved that mm-hmm. with the amazing. exception of the book but you know that they, yeah. they worked that out they worked that out and that was career gale that wasn't personal gale right. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Afro Horror. Please subscribe and leave a comment if you like what you heard. We want to send a special shout out to Jaren Hempel for our amazing logo design. Thanks, Jaren. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at, at @AfroHorror or on our website, www.AfroHorror.com. No copyright infringement was intended while recording this podcast.